American football in Finland. That's how good he is. That's definitely the best offensive player. He could play receiver, quarterback, or running back if he needed to. Try to make them have a run game, which we know that they really don't have. I like to say he's kind of like, he kind of does like he's playing Madden when it comes to the playoffs. He starts doing a lot of weird stuff that you think can only happen on video games, and he gets away with it. But he ain't better. But in my opinion, he ain't better than Jabari Harris. I'll take Jabari Harris all day. Put that on the podcast, too. American football in Finland. The voice in your ears right now is Perfect Purvis. Uh, back at it again with American Football in Finland podcast. Uh, we're changing things up a little bit this season, so I'm talking to different guys in different countries about American football playing internationally. Uh, with me today, I've got two legends, in my opinion, <laughs> two legends in the game. Uh, first guy, um, Garen Holly, head coach over at Munich Cowboys. This guy has been doing his thing. He hails from an alma mater that's like ridiculous in international American football. And because this is my show, I won't do a whole lot of bragging about what he does. But just know that this guy knows the stuff and he's going to explain it as he tells us on the show. What's going on, Garen? Not much. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you being here, man. Second guy who... If you follow me online or social media or anything, you notice I've talked to this dude a lot in the last year. Um, that's because I respect this man tremendously. Uh, one of the few people I've met internationally that actually intrigued me with his mind of football and understanding the game in different countries. And that's head coach of the Coke Rams, John. I won't say his middle name, Booker. What's going <laughs> on, John? It's good to be here. Another another good chat we're going to have, man. Yeah, of course. All right, fellas. Well, we're going to get right into it. Television and streaming of football games in Europe. This is a, a close mm. to my heart here in Finland because, you know, Rutu <laughs> and all that is. Uh, I'll, let me start it off first. I've seen a crap load of stream football games in the last like four or five years like it's a it's a tremendous uptick from the previous like four or five years because technology is where it's at right now so on a on a weekly basis when the football season in Europe is going I can click on my timeline and watch a game in um, Germany a game in Austria a game in Brazil a game in Portugal like just randomly obviously the the quality of the video varies depending on the different countries and what they're doing some some are using a streaming service some people are on youtube some people are just using facebook live we had teams here in finland where literally somebody would hook up their cell phone and point it at the screen and and go live on facebook and that was how they streamed the game but you're still being able to see it it's possible and we know it's possible now so the real thing that I'm talking about with streaming and television of games is how can we increase and I guess monetize this avenue that obviously there's a want and a need and the technology is there. Here in Finland, we have this deal with the Rutu subscription where um, technically the games are on TV. If you pay for this subscription, you can watch it through this service and it's international but you do have to pay a monthly subscription, which is between 20 or 30 euros per month to do it. So it's not that plausible, but some people do it. I pay for it because I live in Finland and I already use it. 
in some countries, uh, I'm trying to say which country, someone said that there's a game every week, like on the, the local television. Is that Germany? Uh, that's 2019. Oh, well. For 2018, yeah. we, every team has to have a uh, internet stream. Well, there you go. You have, I think Sweden, Sweden has like Friday night football. I think it's always streamed. That's what it was. It was Sweden. I was talking to someone. Yeah, and, you know, I was talking to Josh Akina from Sweden. And he said that they, they have like a Friday nights on TV, like cable TV every week that you can watch the games. Now, for me, I think putting the games on TV is more of a, a way for people to watch it locally. And I think TV is great. But I also think that the market is bigger for streaming. Like what um, Garen said, like having all the teams stream it, you then give people who aren't there the opportunity to see how, how your sport is going. I think in Finland, a big thing that we have here is people don't know what football is like in Finland. There's no way to see it. Like the Rutu is specific to Finland, so people can only see the highlights that are put on Facebook but you can't see any games because we're locked into a contract with this television company. And I think that Finland football, there's a lot of myth to it, a lot of myth of like how good or how bad it is. And you can't find out until you get here. Ain't that right, Coach Booker? You can't find out what the football is like until you get here. And that's the thing that, that troubles me about the different countries is because people are sometimes uprooting their lives to go to these countries and play and be a part of these teams. And they're basically going blindfolded or off of um, communications of someone saying, well, this is what we did. And this is the type of team we have and this and this. And then you find out once you get there, that's our situation. And we want to, we want to eliminate that. We don't want these like bad marriages. You have teams where a player was told, Oh, well, we went to the championship last year, and then you get there on that team. None of those players are there. Um, you don't have enough players to play in the game, and then you're told you also need to coach, and they didn't know. And if they had seen some of the games, they would understand that, yeah, that's the way that it is. What are a couple like ideas or ways you think that we can make American football more of a um, game stream more internationally? Like, How do you think it's possible? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's going that way. Like you said, you know, the YouTube streams, the Facebook streams, um, there's some other online platforms that teams can use where they're not charging. I think that that's a huge thing for me too, is, you know, having been in Vasa myself, I always wanted to keep up on, on the Royals and then I want to watch a game and it's the damn subscription. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, oh my God, that was bullshit. You know? Um, so, yeah, it's definitely not trying to make money off that stream. Just understanding, especially with with so many former imports and, and current imports, their families and friends are, are going to get up and watch that game. So I like, I like the pay-per-view pay type thing. Like, I think when you, you think about, like, imports, families, and friends, like, oh, hey, mom or dad, if you want to watch me play this game, you know, you got to pay, like, three or four bucks, but you can watch me play this game. I think that's mm-hmm. reasonable to expect that you would actually get people to watch it. I wouldn't have a problem paying five bucks to watch a, a Swarco or a Germany game or something like that just in my free time. Like, it, it's mm-hmm. not a big problem. When you have something like what we have it with the Rutu, like a subscription. Yeah, that's, that's not good. Yeah, it's just, it's just if you're going to charge, keep it affordable. Like, don't don't get crazy with it. That's just going to hurt you in the long run because people are just not going to want to do it and they're not going to revisit it, you know, as long as they know they're going to have to pay, you know, out of pocket something crazy. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, just if you do it, you know, just make sure it's it's at least decent quality. You know, it just can't be be garbage. So I mean, I don't want to be too controversial, but I do don't you actually do. get it off. Yeah, I don't actually <laughs> think there's a market for streaming in Europe yet. No, I mean, like to pay for it. Like, I think a lot of people are watching Maybe. German games because the stream, number one, is high quality. And number two, the football being played on the field is not necessarily relevant. And I, this is an idea I learned from Seppo in Vasa that growing football is has nothing to do with the actual game. To get more Agreed. people to watch, to get more people to partner, it's going to have to become something like if you've – uh, Coach Holly will tell you game day in Vasa is not about football. There's bouncy castles for kids. There's music playing. There's halftime performances. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's good rest. There's good food. Uh, someone's parachuting out of an airplane, bringing the game ball down. It's an event. You know what I mean? Like people are bringing their kids there as an event. Half the people, I would say, we actually last year, I think we had some, if there was 1,500 fans, maybe uh, a thousand are watching the game. The other 500, it's a social event, you know, and that's mm-hmm. where football is going to grow. If you think about America, we love football. NFL is king in America. But when you sit down with your family, how many people are intensely watching the game? I very you know very what I mean? I, I, me personally, if I lived in America, I would not pay for NFL game pass. There's too much free football on Fox or CBS or whatever. I wouldn't pay for football. So and in a culture, one thing coach said earlier was the culture of the countries kind of defines the football. But European culture is very soccer ish in mm-hmm. general. Americans, we are a little violent. We're a little aggressive. We mm-hmm. go to a football game and we want to see some violence. We watch race cars not to see who's the fastest. We're looking for the crash. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's kind of our culture. Do you know? Yeah, so, that makes sense. In Europe, I just don't feel like the culture is ever going to adapt to football like it is in America. It's never going to overtake soccer. And I hate to be negative, but there is a market for football as an alternative to it cost me 40 euros to go watch Bayern Munich. I don't know uh, if that's the cost. Maybe it's much more. I know it's one of the best clubs in, in Europe. But if it cost me 10 euros to go watch Munich Cowboys... I could take my whole family to a sporting event that's entertaining for the cost of one ticket to go watch Bayern Munich. Let's go. Like, I'll, yeah. let's figure it out. I'll learn to love the sport. And then, like, from there, you get, like, once you have that true fan base, now you could grow into TV. You could grow into streaming and things like that. But I think we're kind of skipping the fact that in Finland, you know, a team brings over 20 imports, but there's 30 people in the stands to watch them. Like, why not invest some of that money into developing the sport? You know, like have some advertising, give away tickets because you're not making money anyways. If you like the AFF podcast, be sure to check out my website, perfectpurpose.com for more football. I have new articles published daily about football in Suomi, interview articles on import players from around the globe, and I dabble in the interest topics about different aspects of American football on the international level. If you want more football, go to perfectpurpose.com and follow me as I observe football around the world. I thought streaming was a good way to go. I definitely think 
paying for a subscription is way the wrong way. But we want more people to come to the games. And like you said, it should be more of an event than just trying to get them to watch football. What are some ways? Like, you're competing with a lot of different things in certain countries. Like, you're, you're trying to get people's free time to be your event instead of what they already have allotted for that free time. So how do we entice them to, do, to watch or come support football instead of, say, go hang out at the park with their friends? What are some ideas that you guys have? Um, so for us, it's being in the city, in a big city, it's, it's getting those actual diehard interested football fans. And like you said, I think just doing promotional stuff, that's huge. I know for us, we don't do enough. Um, that's something um, I've actually got written down to bring up, you know, in the next board meeting, like, you know, for 2018, what promotional things are we doing? What game day, like, events, like, is, are we saying so-and-so sponsor is sponsoring this game day? Um, they're involved with this. They're giving away one of these, or we're giving away two tickets for the 11,000 subscriber on Facebook. Like just creating more of that atmosphere, and um, that's that's something here that I'm, that's really important for me to get worked on as well. So, yeah, it, that's always the question here in Munich: is how can we market this thing, and how can we get more people? I mean, we were plus like 200 or 250 in attendance last year. Uh, we increased you know, our average. That was pretty good for us. Um, but how can we keep doing that and not just rely on the exposure of the NFL and people being interested in that? How can we market the Cowboys and then being excited to come watch a game? Yeah, that, that's an interesting like aspect. Like, How do you keep the interest once you get it? Because, I mean, here in Finland, it's kind of an up-and-down thing. Um, last season, attendance was down. And people try to attribute it to Rutu, but I 100% think that's false because there's no stats. But the year before, attendance was up. So, like, we had a dramatic drop, yet we don't have a plan to increase attendance. We just re-upped our Rutu contract for the next three years. So, mm-hmm. one thing, I mean, now I'm, at, I'm maxing you, Booker, because you were in, in Wassa last year and actually – Holly, you know how it is kind of. It's the best game day experience next to Frankfurt, actually. Seppo's probably probably like the the main guy here in Finland of like, hey, man, teach me. But no one's like trying to learn from him for some reason. Mm -hmm. Or they have excuses for why it doesn't work in different cities. What are a couple of things you can do to like keep that consistency up for the fan base? Because like you said, the jumpy houses and stuff is awesome. And especially here in Finland, like, People don't mind experiencing things, but if it's a one-time thing, then you didn't really get any fans. You have to like try to keep that enticingness. Like I have friends here in Finland who they've came and seen a football game, and I was like, "Well, I'm sorry, it wasn't interesting, but that's what we got." So I don't expect them to come back because it wasn't. So like, even if you do get them excited for like one game how can you keep that up without one breaking the bank? Like I know you guys in Wausau, they have pretty good sponsorship deal, but not everyone can afford to like always make it a huge event every week. Uh, Part of the things that, that Seppo do uh, does uh, a lot of them are promotional. I'm pretty sure last year we had a game where it was like all city workers, like uh, anybody who works for the city of Vasa 
could get into the game for like five euros or maybe it was free. I can't remember exactly. Seppo, don't kill me if it wasn't free, but I'm not trying to give away tickets. But but every game, I know that there was some promotional thing that Seppo was doing to promote, even if it was like, I know that you guys, when we were struggling mid-season, you guys are making fun of our uniforms. Uh, about like, I, I heard you, Purvis. Don't act hey. like I didn't hear you. Hey, I was. Those things was horrendous. I, I think, I think there were way too many uniform options, way too many colors. And then, Soderlin's jersey looked like a damn uh, nightgown on him. Yeah, I mean, there were some production issues. I'm not going to get into it, but <laughs> that for me as a coach, I don't care what we look like. We go out there and practice jerseys. But for the fans, they care about that. Like, the fans were voting one game, you know, what uniform combination we were going to wear. And there's, like, you know, maybe 300 people commented on this, on, like, saying which uniforms they want to see at the game. And now they're a part of it. So yeah. one thing that I learned uh, when I played arena football, the, the way that they really focused on developing a fan base was just being in the community and being a part of the community. And that's easier in a small city like Vasa than it is like in a big city like Munich. But the people in Vasa, they're a part of that team, man. Like I've seen uh, F.A. had uh, <laughs> F.A. some uh, a woman made F.A. like a doll of himself in <laughs> a uniform. You know, wow. like they're into it. Like I could sit down at breakfast with my girl and somebody before we played Hamelina in the playoffs, somebody came up was like big game today, coach. Go get them. I'm like, who? What? How do you know me? <laughs> <laughs> right? It's just crazy, man. I, I felt the same way. So yeah, in Vasa, people know the Royals, man. Basically, what y'all are telling me is that it's possible. That's all I want to know. That it's oh, possible. Yeah. It's possible. Okay. And one frustrating thing about Finland, obviously, I'm biased because I was a part of the organization. Is Seppo is seen as somebody that is like crazy or doesn't know what he's talking about, but yep. he's the only person with over a thousand people at the games. I'm pretty sure Rutu actually hurt the attendance. Yes. Because for, for Vasa, what if I pay 30 euros a month to watch the Royals play on the road, am I going to then pay my 10 euros, 15 euros to watch them at home if it's a cold finished day? Or do I stay in the house and watch them on TV? I'm so, I'm the prime example of that. Like I cover the sports and and it wasn't really about like paying to go to the games, but it was more about like traveling. Like I was like why go? Like, Seppo invited me to come to Los, and I'm just like, that's a long trip, and I can watch it <laughs> on my TV. So, like, I did. Like, I'm sorry, Seppo, and I, I promise I'm going to, to Vasa this year. Like, I'm making it a priority because I want to see what it's like to be in the environment. I have it on TV, so why go? And I'm one of those people that you really want me there because – I'm usually buying hot dogs, wings, drinks. Like I, I, I'm an American. I want to go and enjoy like the roosters. Like I was practicing next to the roosters um, practice field. So a lot of times after my practice, I just go to the rooster game and give me a, some wings, a drink, a hot dog. And then I dip it after they were beating somebody at halftime. But that's revenue that they were getting from me. And I counted as a fan, I guess. I don't know how that worked. Yeah. But. That type of stuff is difficult, but obviously it's possible. I guess the main deal about getting more people to the games is just consistently being out in the community. I think that's a, a great thing. Like people, if they know about the team and even if like, even in a big city like Munich, Garen, like obviously you can maybe carve out a certain part of the community. I don't know. Um, when I spent time in Basel, 
Um, I'm not sure how big Basel is, but it's very multicultural. Mm-hmm. And there were certain parts of the city. There was two teams in the city, which I found was crazy. But in certain parts of the city, you could see promotion and the team was there. Like there was things going on and people knew who we were. We got into certain places for free and stuff like that. And they didn't take over the whole city, obviously. But there were certain parts cut out that you could tell that's where the team had an imprint. And Mm -hmm. that's where the fan base came from. Obviously, the numbers weren't high, but we usually had around like three or 400 people at a game, which at that time, like 2011, was nothing like Voss in the 1500. Or how many do you get out there in Munich to your games? Uh, I think this year we averaged 12. 1200? 12. It's not bad. Yeah. In Finland, uh, most teams averaged around like 250. Very different depending on where you are in this yeah. country. Considering so not, like Tampere, their crowds usually aren't that impressive. Tampere, Senayoki, Turku, everyone besides the Roosters and Vasa did not really have crowds. Senayoki so, might have the best stadium. Awesome stadium with nobody in it. I hope you're enjoying the show so far, but I have to take this time to give some of my listeners a much needed wake up call. It's 2018, people. If you're listening to this podcast from a link, you're doing it wrong. Just follow American Football in Finland on the Podbean app and get instant notifications when new episodes are published. If you're too lazy to use the Podbean app, that's okay. AFF is also on the iTunes podcast app. So just type in American Football in Finland and click the subscribe button. Don't forget to give me a five-star rating while you're at it. And Android users can subscribe on Google Play. It's 2018, people. Keep up. Development of the players. Um, we're All three of us, I think, are on the same page about developing domestic players. You want to develop the players you have so that you don't have to rely on buying imports or getting supplemental players from other countries, practice versus game experience. It's a hot topic because a lot of players and a lot of even coaches prefer one to the other. I think practice experience is a little bit more necessary than game experience, depending on the level of the player. I think if if I have a player who's only been playing for a couple of years, I want him to have a lot more practice than game experience because in practice, I can control the environment. I can give him way more situations than he'll see in a game. I know from my experience playing in the States and even playing in Europe, practice is supposed to be harder than the game. Therefore, if you can be good in practice, the game should be a breeze and your development should go accordingly. But if a lot of these players are being thrown into games, say here in Finland, you've seen it, uh, Booker, there's you play against a team where half their team is 17, 18 years old because they don't have enough players and they're playing in these games. And afterwards they're saying, well, I have Maple league experience. Do you really have experience or you just have, I mean, I guess you can call it experience, but you're not, you're not getting any better from that type of experience. Right. Go I, mean, ahead. I know the team you're talking about and yeah, <laughs> I mean, just uh, my opinion on Finland. One of the things that I really struggled with is, the amount of imports really kept the domestic players from developing. One of my biggest regrets from last season is that 
I changed our defense a little bit for the championship, and I took one of the domestics out to play R.J. Long at safety. Shout out to R.J. Long, my boy. But uh, <laughs> <Go get up. laughs> he, he, was, he was not – we had guys, young guys, uh, Lowry Sardi. I don't know if you, a few people understand who this kid is. He was a university running back who had never played defense before in his life, and over the season he had truly developed into a good nickel uh, type linebacker corner type guy and he was really effective and in that moment it's like championship time and the competitiveness as a coach is like I need to put my best athletes on the team because the roosters are coming they got you know two import receivers you know they got uh, import running back and you want to get your best athletes on the field with their best athletes but what happens is because we didn't have enough domestic talent our import talent got tired. And I, that's honestly how the Roosters win. They have domestic depth and then they have imports. I mean, that's my opinion on that is different. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they had a lot of imports to have so much domestic talent. But anyways, they're a great team. A uh, little bitterness there, I guess. But I, I, I would prefer, I like the EFAF rules. Give me three Americans, three EU guys. That gives us competition and practice and I'm going to develop the rest of my guys. Yeah, I'm a practice guy, man. Um, a huge, huge player development. And that's just how I've been in general. You know, when I started out as a student coach, I was blessed. You know, Missouri Valley, we had a junior varsity and a varsity team. So when I started out as a student coach, you know, I was the head DB coach and then I was assisted uh, the GA as the DC. Um, so, you know, being in charge of developing a lot of those incoming redshirt freshmen and, and gray shirt freshmen um, that, that really kind of open your eyes as a coach, how hard uh, I coach them and prepare them to take charge of that opportunity when it comes for them next season. Or, you know, in season, if we got to pull a red shirt, you know, they have to be ready to go. And, th and that's our job as a coach. It's one thing to throw a player into the fire, into a game and just put your hands together and pray it just doesn't fall apart. Um, but it's it's your job as a coach with these domestic players, especially here, is is to utilize that practice time, have it structured practice time. You know, they're not standing around bullshitting, um, you know, not wasting time. Make sure it's high energy and the practices are competitive, like you said. Um, if you can keep your practices high tempo, competitive, that, that should make the game a lot easier. And, and they're understanding the competitive side of it, that they're earning that playing time in the game. I'm not just going to give you playing time. Like, you got to earn it. Let me ask you right there, uh, Gary, because you, you're actually on a really good track talking about the, the how to do the practices. I've played on a lot of different teams here out in Europe, and obviously my experience always comes back to Finland because I'm damn near Suomian now. When, when you're having these practices, how do you think these practices should be done so that we can actually develop the players during practice? Like you said, like you want competition and high tempo – but there also needs to be that teaching time as well. Mm -hmm. I've been to a, a lot of different practices where I'm seeing teams go through, okay, they, they're doing individuals and they're going through the motions. Then they go, they go through a pass scale. They yell when passes are dropped or when someone gets beat, but there's no fixing the actual technique. Oh, well, mm -hmm. we should have been in cover three instead of cover two, or you're mm -hmm. supposed to go there. And that's, that's your coaching technique to it. And then you just go through the motions over time. Is this actually experience? Like that's how some people can say that, well, I prefer the game because I can learn from that in practice. It's so organized or it's so the same thing every day. How can we actually develop these players during these practices? Um, yeah, I think as a coach, it's how you structure it. Um, myself, um, I'll run through it real quick. We warm up. Um, I'm not a huge indie guy, especially in the middle of the season. You know, you got to be, be prepared for a game, so you can't be spending 
mm-hmm. an hour on indie. Um, and I hate the hour straight of indie. That actually blows my mind. That's like the worst thing you can do for a player, in my opinion. Um, so we generally warm up. We go 15, 20 minutes of indie. We'll jump into a crossover session, whether it's full 11 on 11 or some type of pod group work, jump back into another indie session, jump into another group session, indie group. So that way, the coaches can build their indie sessions based on what crossover we're going into. So if we're going into inside run, linebackers, D-line, you know, they can work on run stuff. DBs will do whatever because we'll do one-on-ones when they're doing inside run. So they'll work on their EDDs. They'll do some man stuff, going to one-on-ones. Okay, and then the next crossover is seven-on-seven. The next 10 to 15-minute period is working our, our zone coverages or D, or pass for drops for linebackers. And then we get into pass rush for the – the D line. So that way we can build going into every crossover. So there is teaching and then they can utilize what they just, what we just went through in the next crossover session. And then here in Munich, um, what I'm really working on is filming practice. Um, We were able to film probably about 30% of our practices last year with one of the youth coaches, dads was able to come and he had a drone. So we're able to film our crossover stuff. Um, But next year we're coming up with some stuff to be able to film every, every practice that we have. So there's teaching on top of huddle. Um, there's progression going into all the crossover. And then I tell my coaches, we really don't slow the crossover stuff down. We'll coach on the fly. And a lot of our players do a good job because they want to learn. They want to be better that they ask questions. So they know if they messed it up, you know, they run over real quick. Hey, coach, this, 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 and that. And you tell them, they're like, yep, you know, you're right. Boom, you're done. So that's really how we do it in Munich. Yeah, Coach Holly came out to uh, to Boston and got to witness me in action. It's a little crazy. Um, actually, um, it's much different when you're the only coach, obviously. Uh, but in terms of buildup, man, what Coach Holly is talking about is so critical and it's really, really overlooked. Uh, I structure practice similar, similarly, if I can talk. But, you know, in the beginning, defensive line is working, you know, run technique, get off extension. Uh, block, uh, cross shedding, regular, uh, you know, shedding. Linebackers are working similar stuff, run fits, and we're going through all of our run stuff. Uh, DBs are working on screen fits, how to cover RPOs, and all of our run-based situations. And because of RPOs and how advanced the game is getting, uh, even over here in Europe, you know, we used to do inside run, nine on seven back in the day. Now we do it as team because you can't stop the run without being locked into the RPOs. So we'll go right into an RPO run session. And uh, just uh, what Coach Holly is talking about is when you talk to a kid, when you watch practice from the game from the day before, and let's say this team, a team's running uh, QB power and wrong side of the guard or someone forgot to spill or something like that, you're going to make sure that drill is in the following practice. And you're going to emphasize that. Like yesterday, we didn't wrong arm, we didn't spill correctly, and we're going to do a drill to fix that problem. Now that player knows it's an emphasis for this practice. So you just work the technique. Now we're going into the crossover session so that you're going to get that play live. I'm not going to tell you when you're going to get it, but I need you to play your regular technique. And I need you to show me now in a game situation that you can now, you know, spill the right way or fit on the guard the right way um, or play with the correct leverage or whatever the case is. And that's the same thing for seven on seven pass Skelly and uh, RPO team run. And uh, the other thing I'll add into the way I'd like to practice, I, it wore me down last year because as Coach Holly saw, I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off, <laughs> coaching special teams, defense, and offense. 
is I think one thing that you have to focus on is the way you want your team to play on Saturday is the way that you have to have them practice during the week. I just got on my university team here in Turkey. We got all crazy on game day. You know, guys have these emotional, motivating speeches, but we come out flat to practice. You know, so you're excited for the result on game day. You want to show, you know, you want your Facebook pictures and all that stuff, but you're not excited to work in practice. So we're going to get mix and match results because you're excited for the end game, but you're not excited for the preparation. So what I try to do is I try to get guys, you know, going full speed in practice. So game days are, are chill. Like you said, Man, I wanted to like add some stuff to what y'all are saying, but Oh my gosh, I'm so glad I have you two guys here. Like y'all are the perfect people for this because you both just broke it down so well of what needs to be done and how to actually develop during practice. Um, if you're listening to this right now, pay attention to what these guys just said. Rewind it. Play it again. Don't listen to anything I'm saying now because I, I have nothing to add to that because you two guys are experts at this and you just, I mean, you just blew my mind explaining how you can effectively develop players here. And it's refreshing to see because the traveling I've done has been pretty standard of teams of just, like you said, they'll do indie some slight crossover, team, Pascal, a little bit of crossover, Indy, get out, team at the end, and then maybe red zone or something, then they're done. And it's like over time that becomes repetitive. Uh, Booker, you said that you adjust off of what you saw in film. The next practice you're going to fix things. Here, well, not just here, but in different places, that's not necessarily the case. Um, film is very important. And I feel like that's something that's really been overlooked in Europe is film and practice. The big, that's definitely one big thing. Film and practice and being able to see what you're doing wrong. Because I know me as, as a player, I was one of those guys, coach can tell me what he want to, but I know I did it right. But once that film came out, it's like, well, you got to eat that crow. God, that, yep, you got yeah, me. Coach. The eye in the sky it never lies. Never does. Ain't nothing like <laughs> rewind and rewind and talking shit to a player. Like, would you hear it? Would you tell me? If you're listening to my voice right now, you're in the middle of another awesome episode of AFF. Why am I interrupting you right now? Because I got bills to pay. American Football in Finland is a podcast for the people, by the people. And that means I need the people aka you, the listeners, to become invested in AFF by becoming a patron. Becoming an AFF patron is pretty simple. Click the Become a Patron button on the Podbean app and decide how much you really love American football in Finland. If you like the show and want exclusive content, become a Level 1 supporter. A Level 1 supporter consists of donating $1 per month to the podcast. That's $12 a year for exclusive AFF content. Level 2 patrons are true AFF promoters. For donating $3 per month as a Level 2 promoter, you not only get exclusive patron content, but also throw in some free American football and Finland gear so you can show the world your support for AFF. Now, if you really ride with me in the AFF podcast, you can donate $5 per month and become a Level 3 Loyalist patron member. Level 3 Loyalists get all the privileges of a promoter and a level one patron with the additional opportunity to become a guest speaker on American football in Finland. Loyalists don't just support the show, you are the show. But no matter the patron level you become, supporter, promoter, or loyalist, 
It'll be greatly appreciated because you, the listeners, will help make AFF the best damn podcast ever. So let's make American football in Finland great. Become a patron today. An important issue regarding film, there's different types of film. And I think people don't understand that there's so many different ways to view film and so many ways to have film. You got film that you're using to self-scout. You got film you're, you're using to scout your opponents. You got film you're using to recruit players. And then also you, you have those highlight films that are just glossy and fun. Now, with these different types of, of film, what are you guys looking for in each type? Let's go into practice film first. Um, if, if it's in season and going into a game, yeah, in season, uh, obviously it's, it's what's our focus for that week to stop our opponent? What's our focus for that week to, you know, put points up on our opponent? Um, are, are we executing our game plan? Like as we're, you're installing on Tuesday, um, you know, out of our base package, does our base package stuff look clean like it's supposed to look? Because that's supposed to be what we, we can run without fail. Okay, the stuff that we're utilizing to attack this team or stop this team. How is how is the new install going in for the week? You know, are, are we? Is it just your typical first day mistakes, or we just absolutely look terrible doing it? So we're gonna have to find a solution for this next practice um, going into that game. Um, that's kind of really what I look for. Uh, yeah, I I always look to make sure we're running our base. Our base uh, defense always has to be anything. A team goes no huddle on you real quick. Everyone most comfortable. Uh, for me, I have a tendency, and I'm, I'm, I've heard this comment from multiple Finnish people. It blows their mind. I have a t- my system offensively and defensively is highly flexible. So we can show up in 21 personnel one week and be 10 personnel the next week without missing a beat. And so what I like to do is I like to put a lot into the game plan, all the, the best things I like against who we're playing, and then I'll see what we're good at and what we're not good at. And I'll just rip the game plan apart from the first practice. So if I want to throw, you know, let's say I like a flood concept, whatever, offensively. And I, I'm looking at our quarterback going through his progression against the coverage he's going to see in that situation. And it looks iffy. It doesn't look confident. That's out the game plan. Let's go back to what we do basically, you know, and so. Uh, outside, you're always checking technique, alignment, assignment, all the cliche things you can say, always checking the basics. But uh, the advantage of practice is you can see your game plan being effective or ineffective during the week. So you can make the appropriate uh, corrections during the week, because without that practice film, there may be something a player's done the whole week. And then you get in the game and he does it and it's a touchdown. And you're like, damn. Why did you do that? And he's like, Coach, I did it all week. And you're like, you know, and you're like all right, my bad. Right. I didn't catch you. Yeah. Practice from is a little bit high end for a lot of teams. A lot of teams don't actually record practice. But almost everyone now has a huddle account, and they get their opponent's film. Now, when it comes to scouting, like locally in Europe and even when I was in Brazil, like the domestic players don't necessarily understand what they're looking for. When they're looking at another team, they're like, okay, they ran this play. Cool. Next play. Like, that's how they watch the film. Like, this is what they ran. Oh, they ran this play a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You watch it like it's a movie. Like a movie. Let's kind of go through how you're supposed to watch a a film. I mean, I'll I'll start this one off a little bit because I didn't say anything about the last topic. When you're watching film on your opponents, 
that's what you're doing. You're watching to find out what your opponents are doing, what they're good at, what they're bad at. Now, on the basic level, you want to know their plays. Yes, you want to know what plays they run. But you can't just stop there and be like, okay, they run this. How about what they run against what we run? And then you have to get into your personal position. In my personal opinion, I don't think a lot of uh, players need to be concerned with the scheme. That's the coach's job. It's the coach's job to get you in the right scheme to combat the either offense or the defense. They're supposed to be – unless you're – I guess if you're the linebacker, quarterback, you got to know the checks. But if I'm playing defensive end, I really don't need to be too concerned about third and five knowing exactly what kind of pass play they run. I need to know tendencies, but I don't need to know that they're running a wheel route on the outside. I need to know that when this left tackle is lined up in this position, how he's lined up and what he's doing, how I can attack him when we run our defensive front against that in that situation. I need to know my job. What I'm confused with a little bit is I've seen a lot of players who, if they're given a situation of their opponent, they don't know their job. They might be able to guess the opponent's play, but they don't know what they need to do in their position to attack that play. So what I'm asking from you guys is how do you go about teaching these players how to watch this film correctly? I like to give players a process of elimination. So to answer to, to respond kind of the part you explained the defensive end, the defensive end, he has three reads, okay? Three primary reads. That tackle's either going to step to the left, he's going to step to the right, or he's going to step back. It's the only three things you're going to get. Run to you, run away, or you're going to get a pass set. So when he's studying film, he's watching that first step of the tackle so he can learn how to read that tackle, number one. And then, then I'll give them, okay, in this situation, the linebackers is for the linebackers. Uh, formation identification. When they're in two by two, they, they ran uh, last year. Uh, I would break it all the way down for them, and Chris Young would be my re repeat guy, the coach on the field. So we would say, like, okay, the Roosters were in two by two 76 times in their last five games. Out of those 76 times, they ran zone to the boundary 44 times. They, they, this is the true <laughs> statistics on the team right now. It's off my head. <laughs> you know, uh, and off of, off of their runs, their RPOs is primary bubble, and we'll break it down that way so that they have an idea of how they're going to fit because the number one thing for me as a coach is I have to teach concepts. Mm -hmm. So just to tell guys, like, they're running – zone well what the hell does that mean coach exactly. if you don't teach them the concept of the zone run and how to fit into it within our defensive scheme there's no point in me saying oh, like i hear coach all the time they're running counter <laughs> like okay <laughs> what does that mean i can't coach, what does that mean do your players know what the, what's the difference between a zone scheme and a gap scheme you know do they know you know a man scheme like you're yelling at them for being idiots but you're the teacher <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, if you got dumb students, you're not teaching. But anyways, so that's – I kind of break it down. Uh, I give tendencies based on the positions. Uh, corners last year, my secondary, we did a lot of pattern matching, uh, and they got to the point where we're reading splits and up when they want to run certain routes. I'm not going to give certain secrets away of teams in the Maple League, but uh, there was a certain air raid team, shout out to Stan Bedwell. <laughs> that, <laughs> <has some> <laughs> that had some splits that kind of told you where the ball was going to go. But I mean, everyone has tendencies. It's just a matter of you finding it and then dumbing it down for your players to understand it. Uh, yeah. Um, for me, I, I do all of our breakdown for the defense here. So for me, I'm a, I'm a personnel um, down distance formation guy. 
And then when I break that down in the scouting report, I kind of divvy up some information for the positions. But it's like Coach Booker said, um, when it comes to the D-line, they don't need to worry about, you know, generally what's happening behind them. They need to understand how to read what's going on right in front of their face. And then I do talk to them about down and distance because obviously rundowns, I want our d linemen in a different stance to be able to take that power step and take on the run block, not being an elongated pass stance and <laughs> trying to take that huge first step and getting jacked up. Uh, and then we talk about that with the front. The back end, obviously, you have to be a little bit more in-depth. Um, so they need to understand, you know, seeing the personnel. You know, I'm yelling the personnel, okay. Uh, coaches said when they're in 10, um, they pass 78% of the time. Okay, they come out in two by two. I know this is increases the pass chances generally 98% of the time based on this down and distance. So they, they kind of understand a little bit of that. But I get into a, a good amount of that, of breaking it down from, from that perspective, regurgitating that information throughout the week. And then um, I have this really messed up gift slash curse to where I know exactly what the other team is doing. And I'm yelling at my defense, like, what's coming? And they still mess it up. <laughs> uh, worst so feeling in the world. It's the worst. And I'm like, <laughs> and they look at me and I'm like, what did I just tell you? And I know. I'm like, well, obviously you don't. <laughs> um, so it's like the worst gift slash curse ever. But, yeah, it, it's just being vigilant in your preparation and making sure your guys understand it. And our guys do, or at least my guys. I have a lot of smart, hungry players that um, can retain that information and utilize it. And I keep it simple for them. You know, I don't throw, I don't over information, overload those guys too much with information. I keep it pretty simple and straightforward. So There's always a time to add to your team, get new players. And this is, this is funny because I'm associated with the podium. So I'm definitely in this realm. You have all these highlight films out here. And people are putting out highlights and saying, hey, you should put me on your team. Look at my highlights. Now, I am avidly against recruiting from highlight videos. A highlight is just that, a highlight. And it's supposed to show your best plays. It's supposed to show you at your best. Why would I assume that I know what kind of player you are if I only see the best plays you have? I don't see you getting beat. I don't get to see maybe your most fundamental work. You outrun somebody on a play because you're faster. That's on your highlight. But what do you do when you come to my team and you're not faster than people? I don't get to see that. I don't get to see how you deal with adversity. What do you guys look for when you're trying to recruit a player and you're looking for film? Let's say they don't they, – you can't get film on a player. You can only get that highlight. Um, side note, people who are making these highlights – a highlight should be a two-minute to two-and-a-half-minute short clip. It should not be an eight-minute movie where it shows the entire play, the after-the-touchdown celebration, the pan to the crowd. It, it's too much, people. That's something that pisses me off with highlights. I want to see two minutes. I want to see nothing but the good stuff and keep it moving. But back to the, re the actual recruiting film, what do you look for when you're trying to recruit players based off of their film? Um, yeah, even from my time in the States, you know, having to do a lot of recruiting. Um, I actually enjoy recruiting. So I, I actually take a lot of pride in enjoying that. I, yeah, like you said, I generally don't watch a full highlight tape of a player because sometimes it's just too long. And I generally can see what I want to see in, in, you know, within the first minute of watching those clips. What I look for is obviously, you know, base mechanics, you know, based on whatever position it is, base mechanics, base techniques. 
how competitive are they just from a defensive standpoint as just a DB coach back in the day? Is that guy competing, you know, for the ball? Um, technique stuff is whatever because we're all teaching d different techniques for the most part. Never dock a player for that because if that's what they're being taught, that's what they're being taught. You know, it's my job to, to, to change it to to fit that player in, you know, to what we do. And if I can't, I got to find a way to make it work. Yeah, but I generally just look, you know, are, are they competitive? You know, the, generally the film doesn't lie. Like, is he a good player? Yeah. The level of competition, sometimes you, some coaches are really buy into that. Like, oh, well, they, the level of competition is not that great. I try to just look holistically at the player, just really talk to them and, and get to know them more than anything. I don't just watch them and get wowed and then like oh that's our guy you know i gotta talk to him a little bit of research on the character but and then game film is game film that really is not gonna lie to you too much you know it could have been a bad game could have been a good game for him but um but just to add on to your what to do and what not to do with your highlight film if you're yeah. if this is a highlight film for your family and you want to show them you're playing good that's cool you could put graphics and whoever waka flocka whoever you want on it but if you're trying to be seen as a professional looking for a job I don't need, uh, I don't want to listen to a, a, how can I put it? I don't want to listen to some ignorant, ignorant yeah. song, which I'm not saying I don't listen to it from time to time. But <laughs> I'm saying like, as a professional, you know, like the, the huddle soundtracks, they're, they're just fine or no soundtrack at all. If you can play, a coach is going to watch your video. But anyways, that's my side rant. Uh, but like coach said, you're just looking for, number one, I look at, uh, natural ability in Europe a lot of times you have to kind of project what you can mold from a player a lot of guys are not finished products so when you're when I'm looking at European imports I'm looking at their potential number one very rarely will you find an EU guy that's a finished product where you're like okay you are the man and you're going to come in right now and like I'm going to uh, coach you of course but like you're a finished product most EU guys are like all right look I'm going to sign you but you need to work on this so you're really looking at them as like projects. As far as game tape, uh, game tape for me, the difference is a highlight film is going to show you their ability. A lot of people say, I won't watch a highlight film because it's not real. That's still the player. You know yeah, what I mean? He's yeah, still making he, plays. Yeah, but the game film, it, it should just confirm it. It should confirm his, um, more than anything, is more of his attitude. Does he really love the game? You know, it, it, if you're looking at the situation, is he really playing hard consistently? Is he making those splash, splash plays throughout uh, the game or is he a one or two hit wonder per game? And so you definitely have to have both. But unfortunately, sometimes you have to make a decision based off a highlight film, because like you said, taping practice is a luxury, which still blows my mind. But some teams, <laughs> some guys like uh, UK, I'm going to throw them out there. UK film is is horrible. Yeah, horrible. You know, like there's some talent in there's some talented guys in the UK and you can see their ability, but you know, someone's filming with their Samsung Galaxy and it's not even the newest one. You know, it's an S3. <laughs> you know, it's not even an infrared camera or nothing like that. So uh, you know, you got people shaking the cameraman's hand like the old uh, the old school bootlegs back in the hood, but you know, it is what it is. Sometimes you gotta take a take a risk. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. I like highlight tapes. I love the graphics and the music. I'm with you, Coach Booker, though. Is this really what you want people listening to when they're watching you play football? Like, yeah. do you want your mom other listening thing, to that? Like, the other thing is, if you're going to highlight yourself on your highlight, number one, you have to. Don't put up a highlight tape where you're not highlighted. I'm not spending 20 minutes out of my day to find you. I'm, I'm, uh, if there's no highlighted player, I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm changing the screen. The second thing 
is don't let the play start and then highlight yourself. Especially oh. like if you're a D lineman or something like that. I'm trying to see your get off. I'm trying to see your stance. I'm trying to see how you're reading. And then you just highlight yourself as you're making the sack. Now I got to rewind it and see how did we get to this point? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I love, I I love the, like, the blurry lineman and it'll pause and it'll just circle. And I'm like, it circled two linemen. I don't know which one I'm looking yeah. at. And I have to wait for the play to go along. Uh, oh, another and- tip. When I was hiring people in my job in America, one thing that I realized is that when you're applying for your job, the person trying to employ you is looking at 50 to 60 resumes at the time. So you have to have something on that resume that pops out to get that person's attention. Today, I spend three hours looking looking at imports. If there's something that, like, for example, if you write uh, a message on Euro players and you say, hey, yo, coach, check out my film. I'm never going to click on your page. Exactly. Never. <laughs> never. Oh, my gosh. It just doesn't happen. I just want to ball. You be the greatest athlete. Yeah, and I could, I could be missing out. But when you hit me with, hey, yo, coach, I'm done. I can't do it. <laughs> what about the form letters? Like, I'm going to send my highlight, and then I'm going to send you this, like, 18-page paragraph about me and what I can do for your team. And that's not too bad. I mean, I think just being professional. I mean, the, hey, yeah. yo, coach, I just want a ball on this, on that. Well, probably not. You know what I mean? Like, you're you're just shopping yeah. yourself. Now you're just trying to make me think you are. Like, oh, Well, this, this is a perfect time for me to throw in a plug here. Um, if you are one of those guys who – when you think to to contact the coach, you just say, hey, yo, how about you stop, uh, go to the podium, make an account, uh, hit up Vincent Purvis, that's me, and let me do the talking for you. You know, like some of those players are legit players, but they don't know how to get the job. Um, just like you said, when you're employing people, you don't, you, you can't hire someone by how good they're at the job. You mostly hire them about what you think they can do at the job. And people say, well, film don't lie. Well, how am I going to see your film if I don't like the way you approach me? But one thing to add to that, kind of, for me, it's not more of a knock on the person. It's my belief that they're not able to adjust from situation to situation. Like, if you talk like, hey, yo, normally, that's, that doesn't bother me at all. But it's a time to put on your professional hat and be a professional. So that tells me a player coming from especially America, he may not adjust to European culture where you do have to behave slightly different. I'm not going to say what can't come out, but, you know, you got to keep certain things down deep inside you or, you know, people get nervous out here, you know. Yeah. But- <laughs> true, true. That is, that, that's something that I think a lot of people don't understand about um, traveling the world in general is that yeah. as Americans, um, we tend to think that our way is the only way and we are entitled to be how we want to be at all times. The world does not work like that. The world does not give two shits who you are or where you're from. If you can't adjust to the way the world turns, you will be left behind. And that's a global thing that's in any aspect of life, people. Not just talking about getting a highlight film or trying to play on a different team. You have to be able to adjust and adapt to certain situations. American Football in Finland is now on iTunes. Please rate the show and subscribe today. If you really like the podcast, follow AFF on the Podbean app. Search American Football in Finland and hit that follow button. And for all you loyal AFF listeners, we are now accepting Podbean patrons. Click become a patron on the AFF page and pledge your loyalty. 
Thanks for listening. American Football in Finland.